Well, as they say in Pulp Fiction, it's time to get into character. Richard Johnson, Vach Lombardi, I'm Adnan Burke. The playoffs continue. Oh, that's right. Alabama just scored another touchdown. No, no. We're not going to talk about the college football playoff, the fact that the Crimson Tide win another national championship, perhaps Nick Saban and company. We're going to focus on what's happening in the NFL this weekend. Before we do that, we want to kind of just pour a little dirt on the teams that lost. That's right. We're just going to bury them. And before we do that, we have a little casket for Doug Peterson. So here's what I think happened, fellas, with the Philadelphia Eagles. I think Jeffrey Lurie called him in and said, hey, listen, man, you won us the Super Bowl. You made the playoffs three straight seasons. This was a disastrous year. Let's figure it out. Then he asked him, hey, what do you want to do with the offense? You know, the offense was terrible this season, 26 in points, 29th in yards. And Doug's like, don't worry, I got it. He's like, you don't want to bring in an offensive coordinator? He's like, no, I call the plays. He's like, how about the defense then? Like, you know, Jim Schwartz is retiring, defensive coordinator. What do you want to do there? Don't worry, we'll figure it out. Okay, Carson went to the disastrous season. Do you have any ideas why? It's all right. I'm on it. I think Jeffrey Lurie said, you know what? This guy, either I'm going to bring in other people, offensive coordinators and voices, and ruffle feathers and upset him, or I can just let him go, which led to a very bizarre press conference in which Jeffrey Lurie basically said, Doug Peterson does not deserve to lose his job. He's a great coach, but I'm firing him anyways. Vach, there's lots of different angles to this, but I think ultimately this is the answer. You as a Cowboys fan know Doug Peterson did not have a strong year with the Eagles, and that's why he's now looking for a job. You can't look me in the face and tell me I deserve to have my job and then fire me. We're going to fight because somebody lying. I don't like being lied to. Um, as a Cowboy fan, I love dysfunction. But I think that this was a bit hasty. I mean, I understand that this was one of the worst-looking Eagles products that we've seen in a while, but the dude just won a Super Bowl four years ago. I would rather like this longer leash to try to figure out what we're missing opposed to just pushing them off the bridge. I mean, look, Doug, did, Doug wasn't perfect, right? But that team wasn't great. And we all realized that Carson Wentz was pretty bad. And then you get Jalen Hurts in there. I'm not ready to just anoint Jalen Hurts. But when you make change at, at um, quarterback, then things just kind of look a little different. You get a little more life. So in my mind, I'm like, hey, let's draft some help on defense. Finally get a linebacker in there. Your old line is getting old. Let's fix that up a little bit and then see what we can do with your Super Bowl winning head coach from two years ago. I, it just seems a bit hasty to me. Yeah, I, I don't think this has as much to do with what happened on the field as people may think. I think it's quite clear uh, that that this is this is a lot about how much palace intrigue we can get into what was happening in the front office, in the boardrooms, in the meeting rooms, uh, that kind of stuff. This is about squabbles at the top of the Eagles org structure, much more than it is about poor performance on the field from the Eagles. Of course, that plays a part in it because if they're winning games, everybody's happy and gets along. The fact that they're losing shines a light on some of the things that are wrong with the people at the top of that org chart like I was just saying I, I, and then if to me it just seems more of an organizational problem uh, than an on-field problem if you had to weigh both of those things yeah I think Jeff Lurie this is okay I'm gonna blame the GM Howie Rosen for the personnel which we can all agree was not strong or it's Doug Peterson's fault one of you two is gonna have to go okay I'll choose Doug and by the way maybe this now helps Carson Wentz because there was a disconnect with him and Doug Peterson maybe now Wentz feels emboldened okay maybe I can have some say in who the no coach will be we can be on the same page how about this though fellas doug peterson has a statue outside lincoln financial field the philly special him and nick Foles. He has a statue and now he's fired and his final act as eagles coach is playing nate sudfeld in the fourth quarter that's rough and by the way i i to richard's point it's not what happened on the field you don't think howie roseman and jeff lurie were colluding with doug peterson saying hey if you win the game doesn't change anything if we lose we get number six pick nudge nudge wink wink so i don't think it has that last game now, having said that, he may have lost the room a little bit. Jason Kelsey, Miles Sanders, I think everyone's like, seriously, Doug, what are we doing here? So ultimately, Doug Peterson will get a job elsewhere. It just will not be in Philadelphia.
The next topic of conversation, Mitchell Trubisky. The Bears, absolutely brutal. Critical game against the Saints. And Trubisky, as always, Rich, he loves doing this. He loves these garbage time numbers. I look at these stats and I go, this is garbage. 199 yards passing. Like, oh, 65% completion rate. No, no. You did nothing of consequence. And against good defenses, Trubisky never steps up. Against subpar defenses, he's terrific. The Bears have to know. They have to move on Trubisky. Nagy's 28 and 20 as head coach. They made the playoffs two of the three years. Maybe he stays. Maybe Ryan Pace stays. But I cannot say in good conscience, Mitch Trubisky should continue as the quarterback of the Bears. I don't really understand what you get for keeping Mitch Trubisky, for holding on to Mitch Trubisky. Also, for paying Mitch Trubisky what you're going to have to pay him if you want to keep him around. It just... It doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know, you, we don't have to hold on to these average quarterbacks who on a good day can be good and are just volatile most of the other times. And like Adnan said, can't beat a good defense, et cetera, et cetera. Like the fact that the, the best football of Mitch Trubisky's career has come in the last six weeks against bad defenses should probably tell you something if you're the Chicago Bears. It, it's just... It's a situation of, I, I think we hold on to these quarterbacks that are average because we want them to be good in our hearts. We being general manager and front office org structures or whatever, man, you just at some point in time have to have some organizational humility and say, we took a bold swing on a guy we thought was going to fix our franchise. To that, I don't necessarily have a problem with despite the fact that you passed on to Sean Watson another conversation for another day. But at the end of the day, yes, you took a bold swing on the position that you have to have and you missed. You just have to kind of call a spade a spade and say you missed. And that's why we take a mean, miserable, old football fan. I know that you play to win the game, but you tank to win the game so you can play better. You see what I'm saying? That's why Adnan wanted that top pick. That's why Rich wants to be set in that Trevor Lawrence zone because now you, the Bears, you're in a situation where, okay, we're a playoff team. Hey, but we need a quarterback. Uh, so now we got to pick from this crop of guys that's not going to make much change. The next thing you know, you're caught up in this limbo to where you're good enough to win seven games, but you're not really good enough to make the playoffs, but you're not bad enough to get that top pick. So you just end up in that little purgatory zone, right? That's why you want to lose games. And look, to be fair, we said it on more football. You can go watch the replays. They're on the YouTube. Click on them. However you listen to it. We're like, fam, how are the Bears winning? Why are they winning? They're not a good football team. And even if they win and we look at them as not a good football, team they should be losing those games and losing those games would make your franchise better so now they're in a situation where they're looking at Nick Foles like hey man I guess we got to go back to you I don't think Mitch is going to get his fifth year situation or you're just going to draft some dude late first or second round or or y'all ready we try to make a move on Carson Wentz maybe because he's not satisfied with that situation. Or Jacoby Brissett, hey, man, you want to come over here and play some football and get into the free agent market? But I'm much sure – I'm sure the Bears fan would rather that you draft one of those top guys opposed to finding some old dude that could probably play for you. Wentz and Foles reunited in Chicago. I like what Vach is throwing out there. Let's do a little rapid fire on some other of these – Washington, they lose to Tampa Bay. That vaunted defensive line, unable to life, make life miserable for Tom Brady. He threw for 381 yards passing. But the real shock is this, Vodge. Alex Smith may not come back next season. He's not sure about his future. But Heineke actually played well. He gave Washington a chance to win. Threw for a 300 yards passing. Scrambled a little bit. I was surprised. Even Ron Rivera said, hey, you know what? We're going to have a quarterback competition next year. 
I mean, same problem. They're drafting at 19, so they're going to have to figure out quarterback at some point. And the difference is with uh, the Bears, at least they got Nick Foles. I don't think the Washington Washington doesn't have anybody but Heineke and Kyle Allen, so it's even worse for them. Well, remember, Washington went 7-9 and nine this year. It, it, it's not like they were gangbusters, even with that really good defense. Obviously, we all know that it was the offense that held them back. They get Talahanke off the street, and he plays really well in a three-week sample size. Remember, Nick Foles also played really well in a three-week sample size with a really good defense. Doesn't mean Nick Foles is a really good quarterback. Uh, so be careful, be careful here, Washington, because if that defense is if that defense regresses next year, get a couple injuries, couple a couple of this, a couple of that. Uh, you know, the, the the defensive secondary is not that good anyway. That defense regresses next year, you may have a big problem with Taylor Heineke at quarterback. Rich, how about the Pittsburgh Steelers? Speaking of big problems, listen, Ben Roethlisberger threw for over 500 yards, 47 completions, but he also threw four interceptions. Absolutely sloppy performance by the Steelers. And now Roethlisberger has one year left in his deal, $43 million against the cap. Juju Smith-Schuster's a free agent, so is James Conner. Hey, Pittsburgh, how's your cap situation? This is a mess. Yeah, in a correlation, not necessarily causation, because Ben Roethlisberger threw four picks, did he then have to throw 66 attempts or whatever it was and 500 yards um, because they were obviously so down in that game? Uh, you know, I imagine Juju Smith probably gets his walking papers and gets to go. Uh, remember, Ben Roethlisberger is $22 million uh, dead cap if you cut him, $22 million if he retires uh, you know, this is another thing of does that defense regress next year? Really talented defense, really good players. What happens if TJ Watt gets hurt? What happens if Minka gets hurt? You know, what happens if that defense takes a step back next season and you've got this offense, let's say Ben comes back, you've got this offense that cannot push the ball vertically down the field when you need it to, that cannot do what it needs to do in winning time. Uh, this is a very, very tenuous and precarious offseason for the Pittsburgh Steelers. NFL record for completions and pass attempts in a playoff game for Ben Roethlisberger. Go ahead, Vach. I was just saying, man, you live by the old man armness. You die by the old man armness. I smell a fire sale coming. The Pittsburgh Steelers are going to be a bad team for the next four years. Wow. That's interesting. Even when Tomlin is a great coach, you think it's going to be hard for him to reach on the flight. They do definitely have some concerns moving forward. To zone. More live football than anyone else. Stream exclusive Premier League and UEFA Champions League. Stream every NFL game, including the Super Bowl, plus exclusive Red Zone, showing you every touchdown, every Sunday. DAZN. Start your free trial at DAZN.com and stream on multiple devices. More live football than anyone else. D-A-Z-N. DAZN. Ravens and Bills. How about the Baltimore Ravens, baby? Lamar Jackson, one of the most electrifying plays you'll ever see. That touchdown run, sparking Baltimore. They fight back from a deficit. And once the game was over, 30 seconds left on the clock. We're out of here. Peace. They ran right to the tunnel. We don't need to shake hands. We're moving on to face the Buffalo Bills. First and foremost here, watch the Bills' defense. Now they know Lamar Jackson is going to do Lamar Jackson things. Forget about the two playoff losses in the past. He obviously played well under pressure. Can this Bills' defense hold up? Because it didn't look great against the Colts. 
Well, see, I don't really think that it's a matter of Bill's defense because they're going to be who they're going to be. But it's about Lamar Jackson. Can you get going and can you stay hot? Uh, I think something that, uh, you know, we're going to be looking forward to in this matchup is that we know that the Bill's offense is not going to wait for you. And last week, Lamar Jackson started off cold and Tennessee waited for him, you know? So when you get Lamar Jackson starting off slow, throwing that early pick, you're supposed to jump on that and really turn that offense up. Now, Tennessee Titans may not be an offense that can turn it up real quick. You know, offense that can turn it up real quick the buffalo bills can turn it up real quick so if you're lamar jackson you might want to get hot early and stay hot because if not it may be a long day for you and your baltimore ravens i don't even think it's a situation where oh well can the ravens do something to hold back josh allen because we know that josh allen can do it versus bad teams we see him do it versus good teams lamar jackson kind of looks different versus those versus those those good teams those turnover getting opportunist teams and the bills are one of those defenses so it's going to be interesting I'm going to go Bills again. It hurts my soul to give Bills Mafia any kind of uh, table-breaking credit, uh, but this just doesn't seem to be a good-looking fight for me uh, if you're talking about the Ravens. I'm going Ravens in this game. I, I think the Bills' defense – look, the Colts' offense was not good enough and made some questionable decisions in that game when I think they could have exploited the Bills' defense, particularly on the ground. Um you know, Jonathan Taylor and those running backs, I think they had like four or five drops coming out of the backfield. They weren't really helping Phillip Rivers out. Phillip Rivers, by the end of that game, was really doing everything he could. Uh, but Phillip Rivers is not mobile. He does not pose that threat to a defense. Obviously, Lamar Jackson does. In the second half of that game uh, that, that the Ravens beat the Titans in, you saw the Ravens sort of get back to what works really well, which is we're just going to get to the edge on this defense uh, and we're going to run right over you. And I think that if the Ravens come out and do that, you may be able to get on the edge against this Bills defense. Bills are playing a lot of nickel. Um, you know, they're going to be light. Uh, as far as personnel goes, and you get some of those big hosses on the offensive line pulling around the edges, and you get some beef on the outside, uh, and you can really make some hay, can the Baltimore Ravens. But Josh Allen is going to do what Josh Allen does. You are correct, Botch. I expect that to happen. Uh, you know, the, the Ravens may come out and really, really challenge him uh, with, with some blitzes and, and, and try to be aggressive and just Hope that Marcus Peters and, and company can hold up on the back end against Diggs, against Beasley, uh, against Gabriel Davis, making toe, toe drag catches all over the place. So I, I do think the Bills are going to get theirs on offense, absolutely. Uh, but on defense, that's where I think the Bills end up susceptible to a Ravens attack that is going to be relentless in this game, and it's why I am taking the Ravens. Lamar Jackson okay, let me rushing yards versus the Titans. He's progrific. Go ahead, Botch. Okay, so last week the Ravens scored uh, 21 points, right? What's going to be the mark for this week? Because you know that the Colts offense, they're, I mean, they're probably not going to get no higher than that. But the Bills can get into the 40s quickly. So if sure. you're the Ravens, Rich, how many, how many points is your goal if you're the Ravens offense? I, I don't see why the Ravens can't get in the 40s. I mean, they got in the 40s against the Browns, and, and Lamar Jackson was in the locker room taking a crap for three series. Oh. Like, you know, you can do that. I ain't going to be no crap this week. Go ahead, man. Yeah, I was going to say, break out the stool softener in case you need to cool things down. Uh, it's interesting. Here's the other part of it, too, Vaj. In order to your point about picking the Bills, Bills' offense gets an easier test. I mean, that Colts defense we know is legit. The Ravens' secondary, Marcus Peters had that big interception against Tannehill. To Vaj's point, can they step up again? So the good news for the Bills is, yeah, I think their offense gets an easier test. The bad news is you do have a, a better offense out of face. Obviously, you're not facing Philip Rivers. You're facing Lamar. 
oh, the Colts are really good. And listen, man, just let me just bring this back to me as a Cowboy fan. Like, sure. we have been terrible on defense, man. And, and, and I'm just watching the Colts, and I'm like, man, I've never heard of that dude before, but he's making a play. Why can't my team have strangers making plays? But the Colts have that, right? Like, like, like they were, they're, they're, they're very stout on every level. I don't think that this Ravens defense is the same level as that. Now, the Ravens have more names that, that you recognize. I think their D-line is possibly a little bit better. But as a total product, I think that the defensive task gets a little bit easier for Josh Allen and his offense this week. All right. Look forward to yeah. seeing 7,000 fans in Western New York. Go ahead, Rich. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I do think, the you know, where I do sort of wonder about the Ravens is it seemed like the Titans, at least in the beginning of the game, were sort of picking on Patrick Queen, uh, the rookie linebacker for the Ravens. Um, Darius Leonard, we saw how well he played on Sunday for the Colts and, and to a point was really the thing that was sort of holding Josh Allen down, particularly when Josh Allen went to scramble. Uh, you know, how does the middle of the Ravens defense hold up? Because it is clear that Josh Allen is going to scramble in this game, is going to do zone read stuff in this game. The Bills are going to do what's necessary to get him mobile, to get him plus one in the run game, uh, to try to gain that advantage. So the Ravens probably see that in practice with Lamar, etc. cetera. Um, so they probably know how to stop it, but you better be on your P's and Q's because Brian Dable is going to have a game plan that's going to be able to exploit that Ravens defense to a point. Be on your P's and Q's or you'll be SOL. All right, next up, let's talk about the Browns as they take on the Chiefs. Listen, for the Browns, what can Brown do for you? Well, a lot. The dog pound was barking. Even though the Browns are on the road right from the first snap, huge turnover from the Steelers as Pouncey and Roethlisberger are not on the same page. And Baker Mayfield and company were able to cruise to a huge first-half lead and able to hold on for the victory. Now, I'm not taking anything away from Baker Mayfield. He impressed me. He did not turn the ball over. He did exactly what Ben didn't do. He did not turn the ball over. He made smart plays. They obviously have a great running game, and Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt and the defense took care of the rest. But my question is this now, Botch. Can the Browns score enough to hang on with the Chiefs? Like, listen, I know Pittsburgh defense is good, Blitzburg and all the rest of it, but... This isn't a matter of can you score against the Chiefs defense. I think you will, but can you keep up with Pat Mahomes and company? That's the question. No, sir. Uh, let's not fool around here, man. I'm I'm going Chiefs. This ain't really nothing for us to linger on. But uh, one question that I did have written down that I was just asking myself, right? How perfect do the Browns have to be to beat the Chiefs, right? And if you think about it from that way, you think about the Herculean effort that it's going to have to take. Now, this isn't like us previewing Bills versus Chiefs, right? Because, oh, well, it can be an offensive thing. They can get into the 40s. Anything can happen. I don't think the Browns are built in that way. So now you're asking yourself, right, how many turnovers do the Chiefs have to give up? And how perfect on defense, how many uh, sacks, how many, you know, how many open field tackles, tackles for losses are the Browns going to have to get? Then how perfect do the Browns offense have to be in order to get into 35 point territory, 40 point territory, right? It just seems like this is such a such a hill to climb and it could happen. Don't get me wrong. I've seen wilder things in sports. I just don't think this the week is going to happen. Yeah, I, I think the, the difference here is think about how sort of laboring, even when the, the Steelers sort of made that a, a touch of a game, sort of middle of the third quarter, think about how hard it was, right, for uh, for the Steelers to score points. Really, it, it looked like they were laboring, like they were slogging through the mud. It don't look like that with the Chiefs, ever. Now, I do think the Browns will come out strong firing in this game uh, I think the Chiefs will probably have to take a punch in the mouth here in the early going particularly because the Chiefs have not really played in two weeks 
right? Got the bye week. They all sat out, all the big guns sat out in week 17 too. Um, you can make the argument that the Chiefs have been playing with their food for the last six weeks. So I do think the Browns who are firing, who are ready to go, who are keyed up, will come out and really sort of throw a haymaker in the beginning of this game. And similar to the Texans game and similar to the, the Titans game in the playoffs last year, you'll look around and you say, well, Chiefs are down double digits. It's early in the second quarter. Could this be the week that the Chiefs get beat? And then Patrick Mahomes says, no, no, it's not. And the Chiefs win the game. Yeah, as we were saying in our pre-show meeting, maybe the Chiefs have just been messing around for seven weeks. Ultimately, when push comes to shove, they've got more talent. They're going to be explosive. Could be a high-scoring game against the Browns, but ultimately, we're all picking Kansas City. All right, Brady versus Breeze again, folks. Bucks versus Saints. How much fun is this going to be? Saints actually beat the Bucks twice this season. Uh, week 1, 34-23, and in Week 9, 38-3. The Saints were able to beat the Chicago Bears, but it was not a overwhelming performance, particularly offensively, able to kind of just grind the Bears down, particularly on the third down, New Orleans did very well. The defense is great, though. Nine points, 239 total yards, the least allowed by Saints defense uh, so far this year as they stepped up against the Bears. In fact, in Francis' history, those marks are the best. So, obviously, we're going to focus on the quarterbacks here, Richard, but what are you most looking at here, Saints and the Bucks? Saints defense. The Saints defense, if you think about sort of how the Saints defense played the Chiefs, right? Uh, we're able to hold the Chiefs down as much as you reasonably can hold the Chiefs down. They played those safeties. I mean, those safeties were like 20 yards down the field, Vach, uh, in cover two. I mean, they were respecting the big play as much as it can be respected. We know that the Bucks offense is intensely vertical. It's all they know how to do in the passing game. Expect the Saints to do something similar where they just say, hey, you are not taking the top off our defense. Uh, and and really make the Bucks sort of dink and dunk and maybe even run the ball a little bit. Uh, they trust that front, obviously, with how good they are up front to the Saints and that Saints defense. Uh, I really, really am looking for how the Saints defense plays in this game to potentially limit the Bucs uh, and beat them for a third time. It is so hard to beat a team for a third time, but if the Saints are going to play defense like they have been the last few weeks, I think they can do it. 100%, Mr. Wolf. You know, when you look at these offenses, of course, the Bucks have the higher ceiling, but I think the Saints do have their floor to where they're going to be, where they're going to be regardless. So it's going to come down to what you said, Saints defense. I understand that we're looking at Washington as the hot defense, but I think they're more D-line. The Saints have D-line. They got linebackers that can run. They got cornerbacks that will shut you down. Marshawn Lattimore, ever since he got in that little you know, uh, kerfuffle with Mike Evans. Mike Evans really haven't, hasn't been able to to deal with him ever since they've been matching up. And, and that's just one more guy that you can take away from Tom Brady. Uh, I think old man Armis is going to be all over the place, but at the end of the day, I got Saints. Well, Drew Brees is 5-2 and two versus Tom Brady in his career, so more reason for you guys to be picking the Saints. One concern for New Orleans, Alvin Kamara has struggled against the box. 56 rushing yards, does have three touchdowns, but only 59 receiving yards. So in those two games, I guess the box have done a good job of at least trying to limit him. It's also a tougher test for Brady here, Vach. I mean, as Richard was mentioning, listen, I, I know Drew Brees is not the same guy he once was, 42 years of age, et cetera. But for Tom Brady against that New Orleans defense, we kept saying, okay, can you beat the Washington defense? Well, the Saints defense is even better. Well, I think it's a big deal because the Saints' run defense is so good, right? So if you just can't hand the ball to Leonard, if you're Tom Brady, you may have to throw the ball 40 times, right? And is your arm going to be able to hold up with that much passing? Maybe the first 25 or so throws looks good, but if this turns into a long game, if this turns into an endurance game, because we know Breeze. Like, if you had a Breeze route bingo card, you'll win every time. It's going to be slants, hitches, bubbles, uh, hand the ball off the Alvin screens. That's basically what it's going to be. Tom used a little more arm strength than that. 
So can he uphold that over four quarters? I don't think so. And don't discount what having Michael Thomas back does for that passing game. And, you know, he had a couple deep pa- deep catches in that game, sort of kept them rolling. Uh, but then again, the Saints did not really have to do much in that game against the Bears. You know, the Bears really only scored like three real points in that game uh, besides their walk-off touchdown at the end. Uh, you know, the Saints sort of just kept pace and just did what they needed to do and, and won that game on Sunday. I wonder if the game plan does get a little bit more uh, exotic uh, relative to what they had to do against the Bears. Should now, be- let's be fair, though. Let's be fair, though, right? Like, if the Buccaneers come out hot and they put up big points, this could be really scary for the Saints. If, because I don't if think the Saints, Saints have to chase this game, yeah, rough. Yes. I don't think they're in a situation where they can say, okay, let's quickly put up 21 points in two quarters. So if the Bucs get ahead, this could get scary. Let's just be fair and say that. Good point, Botch. Saints want this game to be in the 20s. The Bucs would love it to be in the 30s. One more game to discuss in the NFC. That would be the Rams taking on the Packers. So for the Rams, Jared Goff may be healthy, but may not even matter. Sean McVay was like, you know what? I'm going to go with Wolford. I like him. He started the game, got hurt, and Goff came in. Wasn't great. Did, you know, battle obviously through injuries, but it was the Rams. It was the Rams' defense that was key to the victory. Aaron Donald should be able to play, although he left with an injury as well. All of this means that you're going to go to Lambeau. You better hope that defense is ready to go against Aaron Rodgers, who had one of the most sublime seasons of his career. 48 touchdowns, only four interceptions. Yes, he's at home. Donald, three tackles and two sacks. He was great, but he's going to have to play out of his mind, Richard, for this Rams defense to slow down Aaron Rodgers. I think the Rams' defense is going to slow down Aaron Rodgers fine, and re- again, relative to what the Packers usually do. Can they, can they keep Aaron Rodgers under 35 points? Sure. Can they score 30 points to win the game, though, on the other side? No, sir, I do not believe they can. And that will be the problem for the Rams, whether it's Wolford or it's Goff. I I just, I really struggle to see how the Rams put up enough points to outscore these Green Bay Packers. Uh, that, That is the struggle. I do think with the way that the Rams play defense, uh, this sort of, it, it, it's not bend, don't break. It's more, we'll let you run the ball for five yards because it's similar to the Saints, but in a little bit of a different way with personnel, we're not going to let you take the top off of our defense. That's how the Rams play. It's a lot easier when Jalen Ramsey can take away Devontae Adams, which I expect him to do relative to what Devontae Adams usually does on a football field. Uh, it will be up to Mar- uh, Valdez Scantling to come up big in this game. Uh, it will be up to, you know, I think Aaron to those second order plays that Aaron does love to make. How many of those is he going to be able to get with Aaron Donald breathing down his neck, even if Aaron Donald's at 80%. Uh, So I do think the Rams defense will be able to hold the Packers down. But again, Rams offense, I I just don't see them outscoring these Packers uh, to, to 30 points. I mean, half of this game is going to be interesting. Uh, you know, we're all we're all excited about uh, Green Bay's offense versus Rams defense, but what about the flip side, right? What about when the Rams offense is against Green Bay defense? I'm going to take that time to go out and barbecue. I'm going to find some laundry to fold. <laughs> I'm going to take a nap and just take some buddies. And then when it gets back to Aaron Rodgers and Aaron Donald fighting against each other, that's going to be the fun part. But you know, man, it, it just kind of is what it is, man. This is one of this is the one game in the uh, lineup of games that I'm not the most excited about because I know that if Green Bay shows up and takes care of business, it's going to be what it's 
is going to be. I do find it interesting. And later on in this show, we're going to be talking a lot more future stuff. But, you know, you have a quarterback that makes $35 million. You got another quarterback that makes $35. And they both give you the same uh, the same win probability. So I think the Rams are going to have to address that at some point. I don't really see them being very relevant uh, Sunday, Saturday. I don't know. This weekend, mm-hmm. uh, I'm going Packers. Yeah, not sure if it's going to be Goff or Wolf. For the good news is Cam Akers was terrific. I mean, 176 total yards. So they're hoping that Green Acres can step up and propel that Rams offense. But it feels like all of us are calling the Green Bay Packers to win this game behind Aaron Rodgers, Devontae Adams, and company at home. Matt LaFleur, obviously the head coach, is uh, eager to be licking his chops, thinking, all right, how can we attack this Rams offense? As always, you can check out more football. Please do check us out on social media as well. And go to the zone. There's some terrific features, including one of profiling the great young quarterback still left right now in the playoffs. Yes, we know about Mahomes, but when you look at Josh Allen and Pat, and uh, obviously the others involved, like Baker Mayfield, really good stuff. Also going behind the numbers when it comes to Brady versus Breeze, a matchup which is about as tantalizing as it gets when you're looking at two all-time great quarterbacks. Once again, more football. we got three more episodes to go. Also in zone, the best of Chase Claypool, Rookie Diaries. Unfortunately, the Steelers are out, but Claypool is always an entertaining guy. Uh, so we'll see you next time here on More Football. Enjoy the winter solstice and enjoy the games. 